Happy New Year! Da, 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 <laughs> oh, la, we trust your week's full la, of our la, Lord's la, peace la, and blessings. La, 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 la. Can you believe we finished 2022? <laughs> it like flew by. I know. I remember my parents saying that as you get older, the years just seem to go quicker. It's so true. As a kid, time drags. Remember in kindergarten when they made you do nap, nap time and it took forever because all you wanted to do was play? Nap time. Didn't you, had you nap have time nap time? In kindergarten? No, we went to school. <laughs> That's right, because you went to the preppy schools. I was on the other uh, side of the track. Here it comes. Here it comes. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> perfect setup because we need to talk kids, naps, schoolwork, and a bunch more today. And for the record, we're doing this episode based on popular demand because we get this question. Okay, here's the question, by the way, whether spanking is right and how to do spanking. We get that question more than any other question. Yes, and it's not an easy topic. And a lot of young parents are struggling because they didn't grow up seeing loving discipline and others grew up in abusive situations. Yes, ma'am. But before I forget, quick shout out to Liz Zubke. I hope I said that right, who left a review. She says, quote, Brie and Tony, thank you for the honest approach to important topics which help support a healthy marriage. As a newlywed myself, I have found each episode to be encouraging and inspiring. Aw, thank you, Liz. And it's truly Mm -hmm. our blessing. Thank you for being part of our family. Okay, here we go. Building a home by biblical discipline. You ready? Yes. Ethan, you ready? Let's do it. Okay, <laughs> let me give a few disclaimers kind of right up front on this one because it is such a serious topic. Okay, here we go. Number one, the backbone of what we are going to be sharing today is biblical principle. Okay, that said, we're going to touch on a few applications. So eat the meat and spit out the bones based on the needs of your own home. All right. Number two, child abuse is not only illegal, it is a heinous sin in the eyes of God. And if you grew up in an abusive home, we're sorry for what you endured. And we hope today you'll see that God has a better plan. Number three, if you're a parent who disciplines out of anger, we'll talk about that, by the way, instead of love, you need to listen closely today, repent of your sin, go share with your pastor, start biblical counseling immediately. And until here's the key, you can lovingly chastise, refrain from any kind of corporal punishment. And then number four, no matter your history, remember this, the gospel transforms. So even if you come from a broken home where you were unloved or ill-treated, if you repent and trust Christ, he'll give you a new heart, transform your future, and you can do things different for your children than what was done for you. Amen. And Langtone said earlier, we're jumping right into this topic because there has been so many requests for it. And although we want to provide biblical wisdom, on if, when, and how to spank, we don't want anyone to take license, twist God's word, and harm little ones. Well said. One other thing that can be helpful is reading good books on biblical parenting and especially biblical chastisement. So before we forget, let's just go ahead and state those up front. We especially enjoy Ted Tripp's book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, and Rhett Bradley's book, Child Training Tips. And you could still find both of those on Amazon or Thrift Books. Yeah, they're cheap now. So let's go ahead and do this, Date Night Fam. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and we'll just wait. We'll slow down here for a second. Grab it. And what we're going to do is we're going to work our way through Ephesians 6, 4. Just one little verse. We're going to pause and share some insights along the way, some tips, tricks, and things that we have learned. Oh, and we're not using any silly buttons today because the subject matter is so important and we didn't want to cheapen something that is so pivotal to the future of your home and the little ones. Amen. Let's dive in. One of the challenges we find a lot in counseling is that parents simply don't have goals for their home, nor a plan on how to reach those goals. And Brie and I often joke, you know, sweetie, that every team needs a good coach, a good quarterback, and everyone needs to know their role on the team. So if you don't have your roles clear, this is kind of an important starter. Hubby and wifey 
Jeffy, go listen to our pod that we did with the Castleberries. I think it's number, number nine, nine or maybe nine-ish. Um, because the kids will only thrive if mom and dad are working as a team. And on that note, there are a ton of studies that link spiritual emotional health with parenting. Can you read those off so everyone knows they can check them? Sure. If they want to read them. When is the National Survey of Americans on Substance, Part 5, uh, titled Teens and Parents, which was Columbia University in 1999. And the more famous one, a bit older, is Unraveling Juvenile Delinquency by Sheldon and Eleanor Gluck. How do you yep. pronounce that? I think I out have, I think it's Gluck. Yeah. Okay. Out of Harvard, right? Yeah. Okay. Warning. Some of the stats from those, by the way, will break your heart, um, but it really does explain the societal collapse um, because biblically social decline has followed suit with the era that dads left the home. So that's important to understand. Uh, when discipline disappeared in the home, when dads disappeared in the home, and then all their kids were media saturated in the home. Um, and I'll give you an example is children without a firm and fair hand of the fathers, according to these reports, have a 70% higher risk of smoking, drinking, and drug use. And that so, is so sad. It is. Yeah. And that removing the firm and fair discipline, especially by dad from the home can virtually expedite teens into a rebellious lifestyle. Yep. And just another reminder before we really jump in here that regardless what the world tells you, God's word is best. And that's what those stats prove. Yes, absolutely. Peyton just saw that on vacation. She was by the pool. A sweet girl came up to her and began sharing about how her parents don't care how she identifies and what gender partner she chooses. So Peyton shared the gospel with her. She shared how that Mm -hmm. lifestyle can come with STDs and horrific consequences. And the girl said, yeah, but, you know, they've got medications for most of that now. And, oh, my heart just broke. I thought, wow, how the world deceives people into believing sin is fun Mm -hmm. when actually it's absolutely disastrous. That's why parents got to step up, you know, accept the God-given role raise our kids in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. I mean, the reality is you only get one chance, maybe six or seven years, and it all goes really, really quick. I think that's something we should restate so everyone hears it. We don't get 18 years setting the foundations of our children. We only get about six. And then the cement mostly sets on the worldview, and they're locked into their ways. I wish that we could play alarm buttons. I know we said we weren't going to do a button right there, but Mm -hmm. if we could, I would do I, I would I would go, remember job. the police one yes was that pretty good yeah Ooh. I like that's the ghost <laughs> <laughs> parents listen to what what we just said right there this is so important I know it's hard because when you're a young parent if you're a younger parent and you're in the middle of the madness and you got two or three in diapers you feel like two ships in the night and you're just passing one another and you fall into bed and by the time your husband gets home you just throw a baby at him and he's trying to get one in the bath and but you must win the early years. Um, the, the, the first six years of the child's life are where the foundation is set. That's where the, the roots go deep. Uh, and it feels like we have a long time, but we really don't. And so all of that is just introduction. That's what Paul's about to teach us in Ephesians 6. So if you got your Bible out by now, let's go ahead and do a flyover. We're going to give four quick principles and then a few applications that can help you. And then we'll try to help you enact them. Here we go. Okay. Big point, big point number uno, numero uno, big bullet point number one is if you're a note taker, you could write this down. Godly parents must not tempt their children. I put them all in T's so they're easy to remember. Godly parents mustn't tempt their children. And Breen, I get it. Raising kids is hard. We'll talk about that at the end. Children are born sinful and every child has a unique personality. You had in the diapers, the tantrums, the late nights and a fever and being a parent is tough business. We get that. Okay. It may be good to expand on the fact that kids are born sinful too. Okay. All right. Sorry. I said we had all the background information out, but let me go ahead and just clarify that. There's a big push in modern psychology that we've all heard that says that we're born good. 
and are only bad due to our surroundings. And, and by the way, that pops up in poor theology too, as if we had some kind of good in us and all God does is give us a little nudge and a poof, you know, we're <laughs> over the line of belief and into heaven. But the Bible is crystal clear. I think I'm smacking my hands here. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Okay, dead, not wounded, not dirty, cold, hard, dead, meaning mm-hmm. we're all born into a state of what's often called original sin, and thereby we need God's grace via the Holy Spirit to show us our great sin and drive us to grasp the great Savior. Amen. Resurrection right there. That's the right. point being, we shouldn't look at our children as perfect little flowers, but rather as enemies of God, whose only hope is the word of God. Exactly. And that demands another theological clarification, by the way. As parents, we don't save our kids. Only God does that. So our role is simply to raise our kids in accordance with God's word, meaning we teach them God's word so they know right and wrong, so they know his moral law, so they know what it means to be good citizens. And then, just like with us and everyone else, when they reach the age of accountability, where they realize their own sinfulness and inability to meet God's standard, we pray that they repent of their sin and they trust Christ. Mm Yes. And okay, let me read Ephesians 6, 4. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Thank you, love. Okay, here we go. So if you have your Bibles out, Ephesians 6, 4, Bree just read it. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. For starters there, sometimes the Greek that you used for fathers in our English translation can mean just generally parents. And so everything we touch on today could easily apply to both mommy and daddy. But the main point that Paul makes is don't be a parent who provokes or exasperates your children. And I think Calvin had a really, really helpful translation when he said it means don't cause your children to lose heart or to grow bitter. Mm, So what are some ways we can cause our kids to lose heart? (laughs) I've read many lists over the years. I mean, (laughs) smothering kids, kind of helicopter parenting, favoritism, where you treat one sibling better than the other, pushing achievement beyond reasonable bounds. You know, the parents that are like, you must be in the Ivy League school, Mm -hmm. using love as a tool. I mean, that happens all the time. If you're if you're really good, then I'm going to love you. If not, I'm going to ignore you. And obviously things like sarcasm or abuse. Do you think criticism would be another, like a father who ridicules his Absolutely. family? James 1, 26, uh, James 3, Proverbs 10, they all talk about what the tongue can do mm. and just the horrific impact it can have on a, on a family and a life. What about inconsistency? Like difficulty following through on important commitments mm. or finishing something we've started? Certainly. And I get it. We all make mistakes. But the reality is parenting with a lack of integrity and diligence will negatively impact our kids. And let's be honest, that's why lazy parents, sadly, will produce lazy children. Parenting is more caught than taught. So if our kids see us do something we've told them not to do, uh, or not fulfill something that we've promised them that we would do, they're not going to forget that. That's burned into their synapses. And there's so many examples I could give there. And so for everyone around the world, you know, date night family, and you're listening, just kind of reflect on your own on your own life with your children. Um, we mentioned laziness there, you know, briefly, but another obvious example would be alcohol. If you tell the kids not to drink, but you do, they're most likely going to drink one day. Uh, or bad movies, or uncouth magazines, or shows. We've got to remember our actions speak louder than words. That's what Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7 says. It speaks to integrity. And by the way, on a, on a positive note, um, the opposite is true too. If your kids see you in the morning prayer and the word at church every Sunday, committed to a fellowship of believers, serving others, then they know you're serious about your faith, mm-hmm. that you mean what you say and you say what you mean. Is there anything else? I already mentioned it, but I think smothering is a big one, honestly. And mm-hmm. I'm guilty of this, as you know. We, we got to remember God places children in our home to be arrows. 
and to be shot out. And our goal is to raise sharp little arrows <laughs> that know God's word and they're fearlessly facing the world. Um, I heard a great line the other night. It's, it was, quote, give them deep roots to grow and then big feathers to fly. Yeah, I love that. You've really wrestled with Peyton's application for Madagascar. Huh? I not have wrestled. I am wrestling. <laughs> I mean, it's my little girl. And I, I, I wanting she's wanting to do missionary work in Africa, but it hit me you know, we've raised her to evangelize. And whether it's the right time or not, I need to make sure my faith now is where my mouth's always been. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and move to point number two. So number one, a godly parents must never tempt their children. But number two, everyone ready? Godly parents are to, here's another T, tend their children. Mm, Ephesians 6, 4 continues, but bring them up. And in the Greek text, this whole phrase is one little word, which just means to be gentle. And you do that so well. You've always been so tender. You are very gracious because there's been plenty of moments, especially in those younger years, I've caught you in (laughs) tears over my sin. (laughs) Well, let's be honest. You know, we all get angry uh, and there's a litany of reasons. Sometimes parents take out their insecurity on their kids. Uh, If things aren't going good at work as a man, you know, we might become heavy handed at home to kind of, you know, feel our ego. Um, But we need to remember that anger and threats and verbal abuse and physical abuse and sarcasm and cutting others down is pure sin. Mm, And Paul wrote those words in a time where dads were mini gods in their home, right? right? Yep. There's even an old Roman text that spells out how dads were allowed to kill the babies if they didn't like them, didn't look a certain way, Uh, even cast out a wife or get rid of a wife anytime they wanted. It's amazing if you reflect on the last 2000 years, how drastically Christianity has changed the world. May I speak to the ladies real quick? Absolutely. Sisters, it is not okay for us to have a quick tongue in the home. And Proverbs even says people would be better off living on the roof than inside with a contentious tongue. And that's true with our kids. It's one thing to be stern and clear, but it's another to slander, hurt, belittle. And the last thing we should ever do is get in a yelling match with our own children because the sad reality is that a yelling voice is the clearest sign that we're not in charge of the situation and walking in the Holy Spirit. Well said. There's a ton here for the guys too, men. Um, especially if you grew up in a tough guy home or didn't have a father, it's not a sign of weakness to be tender at home. It's okay to use a softer voice, for example. It's okay to invent nicknames or to tuck the kids in, um, to say goodnight prayers, uh, to play make-believe with your daughters, to plan maybe fun vacations, uh, even confessing sin. It's okay to sit down on the bed when you've blown it and, and pull your son or daughter aside and say, listen, daddy was wrong. Um, That's against the will of God. It's clear in his word, and I'm sorry, would you forgive me? Um, Explaining your need of God's grace is huge. And it's not to say you need to get sappy and watch rom-coms and I sweat over Les Mis, (laughs) but but it's okay to be gentle. In fact, the biblical word for gentleness is, is in quote, reigned power, like a stallion who's immensely strong, but he's, he's reigned and under control. That's a great word picture. I've been so incredibly thankful for seeing your example through this in the years, and so off of that... Aw, shucks. <laughs> what are some ways parents... Keep talking longer. I'm going to drink water. Okay. Uh, we'll see here. What are some ways parents can learn to be more tender, especially if they've raised been raised in authoritarian homes? Um... Good question. What I have told people in the past is go find a really good book on the attributes of God. So Tozer has one. Mm -hmm. G.I. Packer has a great one. Uh, If you want to go old school, kind of Puritan, Thomas Watson. Um, And then what you do is you circle the qualities as you read through it that you admire about your heavenly father, that you appreciate appreciate about him, and then start working to emulate those toward your kids. So good. Okay. Well, here we go. We get to the meat and the potatoes, what everyone's waiting for. Drum roll, please, my love. (laughs) 
That was so weak. So bad. Your fingers hit the exact same time. That's not a drum roll. That's just a drum whack. (laughs) Drum roll is. Wow, that was aggressive. Okay, good. All right. Meat and potatoes. Godly parents, number one, don't tempt their children or taunt them, but instead they tend to them. They're gentle and they're nurturing and they nourish them. And then number three, let's hear your drum roll again. Much better. Godly parents must turn their children. Okay. And now we're getting into the into the discipline. Yes. So Ephesians 6, 4 ratchets it up a bit. It says, bring them up in the discipline. In the discipline. And that word discipline in Greek is way stronger than our English. It refers to what we would just call corporal punishment or in the vernacular spanking, where historically a few soft swats are administered to the flesh bottom. I like calling it that, the fleshy bottom of a young child. So is this the spot to discuss Freud? (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Please (laughs) do. (laughs) One of the things Tone touches on a lot, perhaps maybe harps on. Harps on? (laughs) No. Here at NBC is how badly Sigmund Freud, Dr. Benjamin Spock, and others have negative... By the way, that's not Spock from the old uh, Star Trek. Just want everyone to know. We have some Trekkies out there and they're like, (laughs) Spock, no different Spock. This is the actual psychologist. Yes, yes, got it. Well, they've negatively impacted our Western understanding of parenting and biblical anthropology in general to the point that we now live in a non-spank culture where parents have been told spanking is wrong and even harmful, when in reality, loving chastisement has been a cardinal backbone in the fabric of healthy society since the beginning of time. Yeah, and most people don't realize how so many modern issues, I mean, think about just reel off the problems with society that we all are watching in the news, Marxism and queer theory and Black Lives Matter and LGBTQIA, you know, the whole social revolution. All that's an outworking. If you just trace it back on Freudian thought, um, that's another podcast. And by the way, if you want to study that, Carl Truman's book called A Strange New World is a great read. It's a, it's a really easy read too. It's not bad. What I want Christians to see though, true Christians, is that God's word is super clear on this issue. So if you got your Bible there in your hand or, or go to your phone um, and just go ahead and read a couple passages with me. Okay. Number one, Proverbs 13, 24. Proverbs 13, 24. You need to pause the pot. That's fine. Okay, here it is. Solomon says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. I'll read it again. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Okay, and the rod right there is that word we'll talk about, shivets, the idea of this little flexible stick that would have been able to um, to, to be used on the, the hiney, the back end, the behind of the child. Proverbs nineteen eighteen. Here's another one. Discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to, listen to this, to death. Mm-hmm. Here's another one. Proverbs twenty nine fifteen. Proverbs twenty nine fifteen. The rod and reproof. There it is again. The chevette. Give wisdom. But, there's your adversative, a child left to himself who's not disciplined brings shame, keyword, to his mother. These are so important. Yeah, we've got to let that sink in. Brothers and sisters, Solomon says, if you hate your child, if you prefer to let him or her run to death and bring shame to his mother, then don't don't chastise him. Don't spank. There's your recipe. And now we go all the way back to where we started. Multiple studies have been done. Bree referenced them, proving that 90% of the prison population comes from what? Homes without the firm and fair hand specifically and often of a father. So if you bemoan society and the state of society right now, here's partly how we got where we are. And if you're new to biblical spanking, the word Solomon uses there isn't some heavy wooden paddle meant to harm, 
but rod simply means a small, flexible twig. Chivet. Yes. That was safe for a parent to paddle their son or daughter's soft bottom side in love after they disobeyed. Right. And here's the picture. So if this is all new for you, let me kind of put it into just real creative, intuitive form in your mind. After a time of training, picture your little guy. The little guy has put his finger in the light socket again, right? So mom and dad don't yell at him. All right. Instead, you explain the boundaries again out of love. Do not put your finger in the light socket. That is danger. Okay. So what we've done is we've set up what we call a circle of blessing for the child. And we tell them, we've set up a circle of blessing for your protection. You've broken free. You've broken out of that circle of our protection, that authority circle, which God has given us to to keep you within. And now you're in danger. Therefore, I must chastise you in love to ensure that you stay under or within my authority and under and within God's design safety. And then, often through tears because it's so hard to do, you gently bend the little guy over your knee and you administer the precise number of swats. And we'll talk about that in a second, the precise number. It's not just wheeling and dealing. It's all been planned out. The child knows the consequence for what he's done. And then you hold him while he cries. And that's when they're softened. And afterward, you cuddle them, and then you pray for forgiveness, and then you let them know they're restored back into the circle of blessing or the circle of safety. Yes, and it's so important to note a few things about our time of discipline. First, it's to be done in a private place so that the child is not embarrassed. Uh, Second, the child should know the precise number of swats as Tone said to be given based on the offense. Uh, Side note, Pam Forster at Doorpost, she offers fantastic charts that we've used since the children were small. One is called the if-then chart, another is the blessing chart. Both are fantastic. Can you explain that real quick for people? The if-then chart specifies what? If-then chart shows the heart conditions, the things that they have done. So lying Mm -hmm. or stealing or... Yes. And then you're able to write in what the consequence is. And she gives great examples on the backside of it as well. So the child can go to the chart, which Mm -hmm. is down lower on the refrigerator. Yeah. And it has check marks and write in boxes. Yeah. If I do these things and there's biblical references. Yes. So I know that I'm I'm breaking the the will of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Then this over here will be the number of rescue rods, for example, that I will receive. So the child understands fair and equitable. Yes. And she gives just great input um, on the back side of that chart as and well. And what's the other one, the blessing chart? The blessing chart is things that you're training in your children that God um, calls us to as um, believers and ones who live for him. And so there's uh, same concept, Bible verses that describe uh, different things that they can do, show, and then lessons that come from it mm. that are directly related to the Bible verse. And again, on the back side of the chart, she gives examples on what you can do, uh, which so is So parents can really get great. that from mm-hmm. Pam Forster at doorposts. Doorpost.com. Just go online, doorpost.com. Yeah. Okay. And then third and lastly, that as parents, we never chastise until we're under control and far from anger or harsh words. Uh, we must remember that our children are learning about God's loving discipline by watching ours. And when feeling frustrated, as mamas, many of you will probably know what I'm talking about, that feeling in the pit of your stomach that alerts you that your emotions are heightened, your anger is rising in your heart towards your child. And when we think about it, it's actually a gracious alarm bell from the Lord. But in those moments, it's then that I'll often uh, just ask my child to go and pray in their room or write a report or draw a picture depending on their age 
on their heart issue, um, which drives them to think about the word. While I then go to my room, get on my knees and pray, um, reviewing scriptures in my mind, remembering the glorious gospel that saves me Hmm. and asking for his help to display that same forgiveness to my children while seeking his wisdom on how to mature them in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. And then only after I'm safely under his guidance again, do I go to speak with the child and and minister loving chastisement. So well said. There's another thing right here that I think we should mention is that authority is a good thing. Mm. And maybe you grew up where authority was a bad thing and you were taught, you know, these guys are you know treating us unfairly and whatever. Romans 13 says, God places authority in its place. And actually the word he uses there, Paul uses, is as a deacon, a, a servant to maintain order. Uh, and so part of a blessed life is submitting to teachers, pastors, parents, police. And that doesn't mean we need to always agree. But overall, a lifestyle of respect to authority is God's design. And that all starts with how you structure the home. Okay, last one. Here we all go. All right, here we go. Drum roll, please. Oh, that's good. So godly parents won't tempt their children. They will tend to their children. They'll turn their children. And lastly, godly parents must train their children. Great. Ephesians 6, 4 concludes, and instruction of the Lord. And the instruction of the Lord. Okay, now we're moving from defense to offense. So we're not just stopping the bad habits, but helping our kids build good ones. And the little word used there, actually, uh, that Paul uses in the Koine is from classical Greek by Aristotle, where he, he used it to say, exerting influence on the mind, or maybe in modern vernacular, downloading wisdom. I love that. It reminds me of the old G.I.G.O. thing, garbage <laughs> in, garbage out. My dad taught me that. Yes. Yeah. And it's thinking like our kids are little computers, and it's our job to pour as much as truth as we can. And that's all over the scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about how often Solomon, probably Proverbs 1, Proverbs 2, Proverbs 3, Proverbs 4. It was like Rehoboam. I picture little little Bowie. He had a nickname for him. Listen, you know, you got to listen to mom and dad's wisdom. Yes. So what are some ways parents can pour wisdom into their kids? Let me answer for the guys. Okay. And then you can jump in um, for maybe for the ladies or something. I... um, First is just making sure that, and I'll, you know, I'm going to take this, take, take that back. It isn't just the men, it's everybody. So it's just kind of, I don't know. I don't know who I'll hit, but kind of lump it all in. Yeah. Um, make sure there's direction for the home. So, so big picture, if you're going to pour wisdom in the home, it starts with there being direction for the home. It's our job to craft how the home operates. And obviously that's going to start with the father um, in God's design as the leader, uh, but he's got to be on the same page with his wife. Um, But I'll give you an example. You know, why is mommy number one in the home? Meaning why do mommy and daddy always aligned on everything? And why are we not going to be a child run home? Um, So that's important. Another thing is it's our job to stay up with the teens for their 10 p.m. questions or making sure everyone's doing their morning devotions um, or knowing why we choose a particular form of education. So important that mom and dad are on the same page with that. You know, why are we going to do private school or homeschool instead of public school Um, or selecting a church that syncs up with our doctrine? In fact, let me pause right there. This is the one that saddens me more than anything else right now. There are so many men, men, I'm going to speak straight to you, and I'm even thinking about doing just a a men-only pod, and we'll ask all our wives not to listen to it, um, because there are so many men right now um, that, that buy into all the cultural fear and they're chasing a home and some some idea of an acre of land and driving down to Waffle House. And they're just so concerned with their family's physical life, but they're completely ignoring their family's spiritual life. And I'm not saying those have to, you know, I'm not saying that's a necessary dichotomy. You can do both, okay? But make sure you're not leaving your family's spiritual life behind. 
Because a lot of times I'm meeting brothers and they're losing everything. They have no church. They got no fellowship. They, they're wasting their life and there's no going back, you know, because you only get your kids for a little bit of time. So, so if you have to make big decisions, always prioritize the spiritual life of your family first. Make sure you pick your church. And if you're going to go to a certain community or move to a certain state or whatever, find the church and then build your life out from there. Then the job, then the house. Remember, your, your family's eternity is on the line. And I can keep going. You know, why do we allow certain clothing styles? How our kids are going to date or court? Or for the boys, how to respect women? Or for the gals, how to focus on Christ not being pretty or famous? Teaching our kids to steward their money. That's a big one, right? Helping them come to grips with their skills or um, what college or career they want to go to. I guess the point in all that is we need to be there pouring God's word and wisdom into it all. Uh, And let me just speak to the men real quick. What that means is you have to know your Bible. You can't pour God's word into your children if you don't know God's word yourself. So you've got to be up in the morning. You've got to be in the word. You've got to be in a good church being taught. You've got to be in a Bible study with other brothers. You want to be growing in the word. And then what you're doing is sitting around the table at night and you're pouring all that truth onto the life situations and the experiences uh, of your family. I mean, let me just be real clear on that. If we teach our kids to throw a baseball, but not know their Bible, you failed. Mm. We fail as men. We fail as fathers. Uh, and that's why I think we need to do a, a men-only pod on all that and basically just tell the ladies, hey, don't listen to this one. You know, Send it off to your, to your, to your hubby, um, and let's just talk about what it means to be a man of God. Love so those it. are a few things. Yes, I 100% am right there with you. As we pour wisdom into them, it's been an absolute joy and privilege to grow together with our children, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Yes. Amen. And as I'm reading the Bible or books to them, I'm being strengthened by the word. As I'm helping them memorize their verses, I'm being changed by God's life-giving words. And it makes me think of James one nineteen that uh, we are to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, which the context is referring to the very word of God. Ooh, that's good. And then to see them theologize and encourage me in the word as they grow, it, it's just such a gift. It does shift, doesn't it? Yes. It starts to feed back yes. into your own life. Yes. Okay. Well, I feel like we have said a lot and we've said it very quickly. Um, so I am sorry if it was too fast. Let me go ahead and try to summarize everything we just said, all right? And we know we haven't scratched the surface on this, um, so read the books we recommended. A few basics of biblical parenting are, ready? Number one, we don't tempt the kids. We don't taunt them. We don't, we don't try to you know, push them into situations they can't handle. We want to be firm but fair. Number two, we do tend to the kids, meaning we're gentle and edifying in our approach, not angry, not nasty, not hurtful. Number three, we always turn the kids meaning we chastise them, we spank them in a very loving way. And number four, we train the kids, pouring as much wisdom, as much godly wisdom into their lives, situationally as possible. And obviously tons more could be said. The only thing I'd add is that Tone and I know how hard how humbling the journey called parenting is. And there isn't a day that goes by where we're not reminded of God's grace mm-hmm. and our dependence on him. And we're still a long way from the finish line. So please pray for us. We'll keep praying for you. And as we entrust these children to the hands of our great heavenly father. Oh, that's perfect. Let's pray. Heavenly father, what a task you've put before us. Eternal souls placed into our care for a few short years and then released to fight the rigors and ridicule of a fallen world, preparing to soon stand before you in judgment and cast into eternal heaven or hell. Oh, how we need you, how our children need you. Please look with mercy upon all who call on your name today. 
May our children be biblical arrows, righteous arrows, evangelistic arrows that live the gospel and leave a legacy for the great glories of Christ, we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Date night fam, blessed new year. A heaping big thanks to Ethan, our producer, the faithful members of Mission Bible Church, and Lord willing, we will be back in 160 hours. So leave a review or message us online. And until then, keep living for the gospel and fighting for the family. Da, 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 da. <laughs>